0: I want to get the research part on record, too.
1: Do you think it's gonna be usable?
0: Maybe, maybe not, but I wanna have it, just in case.
1: Yeah, besides, I don't think we'll use a lot of it. We only have limited tape storage, so I just want us to be aware of that.
0: Good point, but I'm willing to buy more.
2: Or we can switch to a digital format. No, not as our primary backup. Cam, we can store so much more on a cheaper format. All the computers here in Chester's have a disc burner attached. It really is a good idea.
1: Actually, Gray, it's not. And you know why? When the year 2000 rolls around, all these computers are going to stop working, and recorded media is going I to I be-
2: told you, Y2K is not going to impact
1: we modern... We are
0: not having this discussion again. You two can talk about your tech problems off-mic, okay? Fine.
1: We'll talk about it later, then.
0: Good. Anyway, unless there are any further issues or objections, can we start? Sure, yeah. Great. This recording was taken on November 17th in Chester's Internet Cafe here in Half Moon. For this episode, we are going to look into drowning victims.
2: Just... Drowning victims?
0: Yes. There's a surprising amount of them here.
2: Didn't we already record one about the river?
0: We did, but this is about the reservoir. Half Moon has a reservoir?
2: Yeah, it's the muddy lake in Open Meadow Park, where the drainage pipe lets out. Oh, gross.
0: It's treated water by the time it gets to the reservoir.
1: Doesn't make it much better. Ugh. Is that what we've been drinking? I don't know. I think some of Half Moon's drinking water comes from Open Meadow. Can I opt out of drinking water?
0: What else are you going to drink?
1: Soda? I think Watkins still has some Pepsi Crystal. That
2: is going to give you cancer. You know that? That's a risk I'm willing to take. You too. Focus. Right. Sorry, Tabby. Sorry.
0: Back on topic. Ash is out trying to find anyone who's willing to be interviewed about the reservoir. Gray, I think you have a list of the victims.
2: I have a list of the individuals who drowned in the reservoir, yes.
0: Anything remarkable about them?
2: Well, they all died.
0: Any similarities between their deaths? What? Don't you think we should
1: talk
2: about these people with a little more care? What are you talking about? Tabby, they're real people who died. I know it's a show we're working on, but... But what? I don't know. Have some respect. What
0: is there to be respectful about?
1: Tabby, they're human beings.
0: You're right. I'm sorry.
2: It's not a big deal. Let's just not get so lost in this project that we forget about the people whose lives and deaths we're documenting.
0: I get it. Not to sound any less sensitive than I already did, but can we talk about the drownings? Sure. Did you notice any patterns? Any potential spooky similarities? Nothing
2: really substantial. All the deaths occurred at night. All occurred while the individual was alone. Each of them died and ended up inside the drain, which isn't weird by itself, because that's just kind of the way the current goes in the reservoir.
0: Anyone you've identified we could interview?
2: Not really. This isn't like the one we did with the disappearances and the friend where none of them had any close contacts in town. For this case, they all had friends or family who reported them missing. Only thing that ties them together is that the last known location for most of them was near Open Meadows.
0: Huh. Did they all know how to swim? I'm not sure.
2: It's hard to tell. Some of the obits mention that the deceased were strong swimmers, but none of them say specifically that they couldn't swim or anything about that.
1: Yeah, I looked over them with Gray earlier, and they were all very basic. So-and-so is survived by their family, and so on.
0: (sighs) That's not a lot to go on.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: What about the initial missing person reports?
1: No luck there. I tried to look into those while Gray was combing through the microfilms in the library. The police department does not seem to like us asking about them every few days.
0: No surprise there.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to need to stop relying on that as an easy resource. I'm sorry. The police are an easy resource? You know what I mean.
0: Maybe Ash will have something more substantial to go on later?
1: Tabby, not to be rude or question your methods or anything, but what exactly are we investigating now?
0: I told you, the drownings. There's been more than a dozen in the last 40 years, and that's a lot more than should be expected at a town of this size. I
1: know, but
0: what about
1: these drownings? I mean, drowning isn't spooky just sounds like
2: it sucks. Well, Tabs does have a point. It's unusual, and if we're going to do an episode on this, there's an angle we can spin. I don't know. Seems like a stretch to me. I feel that way, too. But we have to trust Tabs and her storytelling instincts, even if it is fabricated.
0: Thank you for trying, Gray, but this isn't fabricating. It's telling the story no one else wants or cares to tell. And there's something here. How do you know? I don't know. Call it instinct. If there's nothing else to get on record, I'm going to track down Ash and see if she has something to go on. You two, keep up what you're working on here. You're sure we couldn't record in the Econoline? Positive. I need coffee. That you couldn't have taken to the Econoline? Do you want the intel or not? Okay, sorry, I guess. What were you able to find? Well... Whoa! Are these the missing person reports for the reservoir cases?
3: Yep. Wow! This is incredible! How did you get these? I just asked, basically. But. Gray and Cam just asked and they got nothing. They're not as charming as me. Fine. I just knew what to say. Do I want to know why you're so good at getting what you want out of cops? It's not that salacious. It's just that bouncing in and out of foster care, you end up learning a lot about how cops work and what they like to hear. Besides, they love the cute and innocent shtick. They practically eat it up. That explains why Cam and Gray got nowhere. I'm just better than them.
0: Did you have a chance to read through any of these? Hm, mm, a couple. Was there something you were looking for? Anything weird? Anything that marks this as paranormal? This has paranormal written all over it. Sure, but do we have anything
3: concrete? Any survivors or witnesses? From what I can tell, just one survivor. Wait, what? Yeah, there was one person who fell into the lake and got out. It's not in any of those reports. How did you find out about that? One of the cops told me. Ash, you're amazing. Did they tell you anything else? Just that the whole town thinks the lake is haunted. I personally don't think this is a haunting. Maybe some sort of aquatic cryptid. It's hard to know at this point. One of the cops did say- Don't tell me now. I want to save it for the actual recording. All right. Fine by me. What about the survivor? Do they still live in town? She does. Technically. She's in Gracie, the psychiatric ward. Yep. I don't think she's been released yet, at least. I can circle back around with Captain Ryan. You're on a first-name basis with the chief of police? Of course. You gotta get cozy with authority if you're gonna undermine them. Is he cute? First of all, barf. Second, Chief Ryan is a woman. And yes, she's cute, but also still a cop, so no. Oh, my bad. Yes, you're bad. To think I'd be attracted to a cop? Ugh, you're disgusting. I said I was sorry. It's fine. We can move on. Okay. I'm gonna try to dig up
0: anything on this survivor. Do we have a name? Yeah. Andrea Perkins. I'll have Gray look into it. Do you think you could ask around and see if anyone has stories about her? People around town seem to like you more than Gray.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. People love me here. I'll see what I can find out. Great. We almost have enough to start recording for
0: real. In any town near a body of water, some people will drown. Oftentimes, drowning is an accident, a momentary misfortune that takes a life. But sometimes, when too many people drown all at the same spot, something more malicious may be at work. Half Moon, like most other small municipalities, has a reservoir that supplies the town's drinking water. The reservoir simply called The Lake, is located just outside of town in Open Meadow Park. It's an unassuming, man-made body of water nestled between trees and a playground. To the casual observer, it's just another lovely spot in a lovely town. But its waters hide a dark past. Before it was a lake, this land had a small pond and a property that belonged to a forgotten owner. The property's single tenant lived in a one-room, hand-built home in what is now the middle of the lake. In the early 1900s, the owner died, though his body wasn't discovered for weeks after his passing. He was found in bed. Apparently, he had passed in his sleep, despite being relatively young. He was 54 when he died. An autopsy was later done, and no one could ascertain a cause of death, though his body was healthy, no diseases, nor drugs in his system. But one detail does stick out in the coroner's report. The unnamed tenant's lungs were filled with water. If you have been following our progress thus far, you may note the similarity in the deaths between this forgotten soul and George Van Eisen, whose mysterious death was also caused by a similar drowning on dry land. Half Moon quickly forgot about this unexplained man who drowned in his own bed, it seems, as the house was torn down, paved over, and ultimately turned into the lake. Over the following decades, the park around the reservoir grew and became Half Moon's premier outdoor leisure location. Since investigating this story, I can personally attest that the park is beautiful. The crisp winter air feels fresher than in other spots, and the soft dribble of the water into the lake echoes through the trees, giving the whole park a serene, otherworldly feel. And then, there's the lake itself. The drainage pipe, in particular. The city has done what it can to beautify an ultimately utilitarian appliance. Reeds have been planted or otherwise taken root there, A number of shrubs and trees hide the unnatural bump in the landscape where the pipe recedes into the hill despite this natural beautification the pipe retains one noticeable industrial feature a thick metal grate affixed to the front it was installed in the early 80s after a particularly gruesome summer during which four separate bodies were found washed up inside the drain which is what brings us to our truly paranormal encounters. Since the pipe was installed, more than 20 people have drowned in the lake. Their bodies have all been found inside the pipe. The first such occurrence was just after the park opened. A teenager, Wallace George, went out for a late night walk and never returned home the next day. A city-wide hunt ensued but they found no sign of George. A week later, his body was finally discovered, floating lifeless inside the drainage pipe. The town was baffled, not least of which because George was known to be a remarkably strong swimmer. But that wasn't the only shocking detail. According to multiple witnesses interviewed for the Chronicle, the drain had been searched multiple times during the week, and his body was not there until that final day. What the coroner's report uncovered was unsurprising. The body was waterlogged, his lungs filled with water. It was clear he had been floating in the water for at least a week. But interestingly, the report notes that the wear on the body indicates he must have been there much longer. The coroner wrote it off as an anomaly caused by the weather. The next several decades would see numerous deaths just like this. A resident would go for a walk, usually late at night, and then they would never come back home. The city, or recently just the police, searched for days only to find them face down in the drainage pipe. This occurrence is so commonplace in Half Moon that it has become a local joke to imply that someone you can't find is in the pipe. Chester's Internet Cafe, a local establishment, even sells merchandise featuring the phrase in the pipe. As far as we can surmise, all of these victims were known to be at least adequate swimmers, and all were found days after their disappearances, with indications that they had been in the water for far longer than they had been gone. One final commonality they all shared, none of the drownings had any witnesses. This string of drownings has led the local police department to open investigations into the possibility of a serial killer, though there has been no evidence linking the deaths to any one individual. Inquiries have been launched by the mayor's office to explore potential safety hazards in the water. Swimming has been banned in the lake since its creation, but the location has been deemed safe to swim in with no toxic chemicals in the water And the current flowing out through the drainage pipe is nowhere near strong enough to pose a threat to even the least experienced swimmers the mystery of these drownings endured for decades with no clues no leads just more victims but all that changed in 1994 with andrea perkins perkins was 21 when she disappeared Her roommate knew she would be walking past Open Meadow, and she warned her against it, but Perkins went anyway. When she didn't come home that night, the police, through habit at this point, investigated the area around the pond and found no evidence of her disappearance. A missing person report was filed. The search was underway, but the town knew what to expect. When someone goes missing near Open Meadow, there's only one way they're ever found. Only this time, it was different. A week later, a couple walking their dog through the park at twilight heard splashing. They rushed to the scene and found Andrea Perkins thrashing in the water. They jumped in to rescue her and pulled her out, only to find her skin so waterlogged that it was covered in deep abrasions and sores. When a living person spends a significant amount of time in water, their skin begins to crack and peel. It almost literally disintegrates. According to the reports taken at the time, Perkins's body looked as though it had been submerged in water for nearly two weeks. She was rushed to a hospital, barely coherent, and was treated. By some miracle, Perkins survived. When she finally came to, the first thing she asked was, is he okay? No one knew what she meant until she explained. To hear her tell it, she went out for her walk, just like she said she would. She came across a man with long, wet hair, like he had just come out of the water. All the wet man would do was point at the water and say, Help. Drowning. Attempts to clarify what he meant were useless. Help. Drowning. He just repeated. Perkins ran to help, diving into the water without thinking. And then she lost herself. There's no easy way to describe what happened to Perkins after she willingly dove into the lake. According to her recollection, she was under the water for only a minute. And when she came up, she wasn't in half moon anymore. She recalled seeing huge, dead trees, reaching for a black, starless sky. She said the water, which was previously cool and refreshing, was dark and brackish. She heard horrible sounds coming from the woods all around, saw shadows move in the trees, and then, moments later, she was back in the lake, in enormous pain, desperate for help. All in all, Perkins claims she was in the lake for about five minutes. Every reputable source says Perkins was missing for seven straight days. The deterioration on her skin suggests she was in the water for no less than two weeks. Perkins was sent to Gracie, the psychiatric ward of Half Moon General Hospital, where she remains to this day. Officially, The police closed the missing person case, stating that Perkins had consumed narcotics, triggering a sudden, violent break from reality that caused her to hallucinate everything she described. Perkins, according to our confidential sources, still denies ever having taken hallucinogenic drugs. But the question remains, what happened to Andrea Perkins? Where did she vanish to? And who is this drowned figure who beckoned her to the water. This story has more questions than answers, and...
3: Abby, open up!
0: What do you want? I was recording. Toss me Cam's bag. Here, what's going on? It's
2: Cam. They jumped in the lake.
0: What? Why? It's like 20 degrees out! Give me that!
2: They said someone was drowning. Wait. Did we bring any towels?
0: Who told them there was someone
2: drowning? I don't know. I didn't see anyone else. They just said someone by the lake needed help. Do we have towels or not?
0: I... Yes, we do.
2: Okay, hand them over.
0: Wait. I'm coming with you. I need to talk to Cam right now. Chronicles is a Bad Address Media production. This episode was directed by Jack Bacall and produced by Isabella Van Ingen. The script was written by Kit Haddad and edited by Morgan York. Sound design is by Matt Regan. Featuring Isabella Van Ingen as Ash Moskowitz, Jack Bacall as Cameron Park, Kit Haddad as Grayson Price, and Morgan York as Tabby Winters. You can follow us on Twitter at bad address media, or donate to our Patreon at patreon.com/slash bad address media.
1: Great, all done. We
2: good.
1: All fucking done.
2: Oh fucking done out mate. All
1: fucking done mate. All fucking done mate.